الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم استغفروا ربكم ثم توبوا اليه انه كان غفارا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اني لا استغفر الله واتوب اليه في اليوم اكثر من سمعين مره او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected all of my camp brothers and elders <coughs> the purpose of our gathering every week whenever we get this chance is purely to make muzakara to revise to refresh the lessons of those things that should be a part and parcel of our lives many a times there are many things that are heard are read lots of information lots of things that we come across in various sources books magazines and whatever but very often the things that sometimes are heard or read over and over again but if we reflect within our lives how much of it has come in then we will sometimes find that we still are not anywhere close to it still so this is a very crucial aspect that the purpose of gathering is to make muzakara to refresh to revise with the intention that we bring these aspects into our lives we start practicing upon them nothing happens in one day nothing happens in one night but that intention that sincere and deep resolve must be there that the purpose the object is to bring these things into our life to practice upon it to share it with others to make it a part and parcel of our lives the lives of our families and others as well so the refreshing of this intention is very important otherwise sometimes some things just take on a routine and when things become a routine then the effect and the benefit gets lost so there needs to be a refreshed intention what is the purpose what is the object why are we doing something and with that clearly in our minds to engage in the amal one of the very important aspects that we have discussed on many occasions is dua and in the life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we'll find dua upon dua and among the various duas that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam made one very concise very beautiful dua which again is filled with lessons in it as mentioned on previous occasions that the duas of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam are not just dua only but these duas are mu'jiza they are miracles in itself nobody but a nabi of allah taala can ask for these kind of things and in that comprehensive manner and basically encompass the whole ocean in a teacup 
This is only something that Nabi Wasallam can do. So these du'as are mu'jizas. And these du'as are also ta'aleem. In these du'as, there are very deep, very great lessons. So this one beautiful du'a that Nabi Wasallam used to make, Allahumma khfirli dhambi wa wasi'li khuluqi wa tayyibli kasbi وَقَنِّعْنِي بِمَا رَزَقْتَنِي وَلَا تُذْهِبْ طَلَبِي إِلَى شَيْءٍ صَرَّفْتَهُ عَنِّي These are the five things that are encompassed in this dua. Starts off with Allahumma khfilli dhambi Ya Allah forgive my sins. Who is asking? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ma'asum Nabi of Allah Ta'ala all the Anbiya alayhi salatu wa ma'asum all are sinless. So Nabi Islam is also masum, and then not just being masum, he is the greatest of all the Ambiya And he is saying, Oh Allah, forgive me. Is this just something by the way? No, it's not by the way. While Nabi Islam is masum, but to the extent that somebody has this closeness with Allah Ta'ala, to that extent one has fear also. And when a person is far away, he is heedless. Doesn't matter to him what happens, what comes, what goes. Because he's far away. He doesn't have any concern. But the closer a person gets, then despite being without any sin, he is still concerned. And if at the various ways in which Nabi Wasallam asked for forgiveness, that itself is something that is a lesson for us. There's so many of these du'as in one particular Dua Nabi Salaam makes dua for maghfirat in this manner. Allahumma ghfirli ma qaddamtu wa ma akhartu. Allah forgive me the past and the future. Wa ma asrartu wa ma a'lantu. Allah what happened secretly what happened openly. Who's asking Nabi Salaam? Allah whatever happened secretly what happened openly nothing happened secretly and openly. But the closer a person is, the greater is his fear. And then again, obviously, ta'aleem to us. وَمَا أَنْتَ أَعْلَمُ بِهِ مِنِّي Ya Allah, there are those things which you know better than me also. Normally, when a person is talking about himself, he says to somebody that I know myself best. You don't know me. You think I am flying there. I know where I am. I know myself best. Here Nabi Islam is saying, Ya Allah, even I don't know myself best. There are sometimes things which I don't even give a second thought to, but it is not in order. Ya Allah, you are more knowledgeable about it than me myself of what, what I have done. There are sometimes things that I have done and it is something which is beyond even my thought that this is a sin. Ya Allah, you know better. This is the ta'aleem Nabi Salaam is us to make dua in these words. Ya Allah, the past, the future the open, the secret. Ya Allah, what is great in your knowledge, more than what I know also, you are aware of it. Allah, you forgive me. The lesson that we learn from all this is that what a great need this maghfirat is. Often, it is just something we ask in passing, Allah, forgive me. But we don't take that depth in it. That what a great need this is. That this is the Passport to the greatness of Akhirat, the pleasures of Akhirat, 
it is the ease of dunya also is in the same maghfirat. That if this maghfirat is missing, then everything becomes a problem. If a person's sins are not forgiven, in the hadith Nabi Salaam says, that a person sometimes is deprived of rizq, which is descending for him. That rizq is descending. But min zambin yusibuhu. He now got involved in some sin that blocked off his rizq. That rizq was descending and that sin blocked off that rizq. It became an obstacle. So how many things, this is one aspect, rizq, how many other things will get blocked off? A person's happiness in dunya gets blocked off by sin. Because in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, the one who with iman does a'mal saliha a'mal saliha so now he's doing righteous actions this brings hayat tayyiba it brings a good life a happy life so otherwise the opposite if a'mal sayya sins then a person's happiness is taken away then he is in the midst of all the means of happiness, but he's not happy. He's in the midst of everything that can apparently make a person happy, and he's depressed. He is totally frustrated with life, and he's trying whatever else, but he says that I'm looking for this happiness. In the midst of all this, where's the happiness? The happiness is nowhere. So what is the, this the effect of? It's the effect of sin. That the happiness is gone. Insan is insan. A person can err, he fall, he can make mistakes. But when a mu'min makes a mistake, in the hadith sharif it comes, that it is like a mountain that is hovering above him. He cannot be at ease until he has now made istighfar, tawbah, sincerely repented, and has this removed off. And a munafiq, he commits a sin, and he just, like a person, a fly set on his nose, the hadith sharif, this example is given. Like a person, a fly sat on his nose and he just shoot it away. Munafiq commits a sin and for him it's like he just shoot off the fly. End of the story. But the effect of it then plays out. It's not so directly apparent, but the effect of it plays out in a person's life in various ways. Mistake, even the Sahaba made mistakes sometimes. There are some rare occasions, some isolated incidents of some Sahabi making a mistake. But when that Sahabi made a mistake, what is the result of that? Or what effect it had on him? That one woman made a mistake. And in that moment she slipped. Now this, we must not judge according to our standards. These few isolated incidents, Allah Ta'ala made it happen. So that the Ummah will learn that what is meant, or how is it to be done, that if somebody has done this, he has stolen, then his hand will be cut off. How will he cut off? And if somebody has committed zina, then what will be the punishment? So some of these rare isolated incidents took place. It was as if the Sahaba presented themselves to be used in whichever way to teach the ummah what needs to be done. So this woman made a mistake. She comes to Rasulullah Nobody brought her. Nobody else was away or came and reported. She, and she comes and confesses that this is the mistake I made. And she says, Tahirni, Ya Rasulullah, purify me. 
I cannot remain at ease with this great stain upon me. You purify me. Whatever it takes, I want to be purified so that I cannot be under this cloud of this sin. Allah Ta'ala's displeasure, I cannot bear this. Any case in that transpires that he is expecting a child, Nabi Islam says we cannot do anything. This child has done no sin. So you go away till a child is born. No police, no prison, nothing. She's left to herself. If she didn't come back, nobody would have even probably found her where she was. After some time she comes back, the child is in her hands. So Nabi Islam says, but what about this child? How is it going to be taken care of? This child needs to be still weaned off. Till then nothing will be done. Again she's gone. She's sent away. Now what? I cannot be under the shade of the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. Until Allah Ta'ala is not pleased, I cannot be rested. After some time she comes, and now she comes on her own again. And she comes with the child holding a piece of bread to prove that now whatever was told to me that everything is suspended till the child can now uh, nourish itself so to say the child can be fed it's not in need of its mother directly so now she brings the child with that bread in his hand also now that she comes in this manner Nabi Islam finally the order of Allah Ta'ala that well the punishment was be meted out what is the punishment that she will be stoned to death because she was married at some time. So in any case, this punishment is meted out. And when this punishment is being meted out, then some blood flew. So one person remarked that beware of the blood of the adulteress. But when this remark was made, Nabi Sallallahu cautioned them that she is being punished for whatever has happened. But she has made such a tawbah and such an istighfar that if it had to be distributed among all the people of Medina Munawwara, it will suffice for everybody. So they also sometimes in some isolated situation slipped up. But that made the person so restless and made the person make so much of tawbah and istighfar that Nabi Islam is testifying. That such a tawbah this person has made, that if it be distributed, the benefits of this tawbah be distributed among all the people of Madinah Munawara. This tawbah will suffice for everybody. So don't make such comments. So on the one hand, the punishment is being meted out because of the order of Allah Ta'ala. But don't regard yourself as better. She has gone to another level. She has reached that level of forgiveness we can't dream about. So the point in this is, that insan is insan, we are weak, we are not angels, but on the one hand, a person will make every effort to be on the state path, he'll make every effort to remain safe, and he'll take all the processes and precautions to stay far away from sin. Now a person, like the example that we often use, he is playing with that knife, sharp knife, qurbani knife, and everybody is informed him already how sharp this is. Now recently, during the days of Qurbani, while people are busy subduing that ox, so the person who is about to slaughter, 
he's got that knife still inside that case. He's standing on the side waiting. Doesn't want to open it out of its case because it's so sharp. The last minute now when it's time to just get to the point of slaughter, then only he's taking it out because it's so dangerous that by chance it might just hurt somebody. Now the person is deliberately playing with it. He's playing with it. He says, well, you know, you, if something is meant to happen, it'll happen. Now if my hand gets cut, it gets cut. That nobody takes a chance for. It's right in that case until that last moment of slaughter. So if a person is playing with fire, then he's going to get burned. Then he'll have to blame himself. But now the person took all the precautions, he took all the processes to save himself. He is still not immune. Something can still slip somewhere. But the iman within him will not allow him to rest until he has now cleared that up with Allah Ta'ala. He has made such a toba, such istighfar. He shed tears in front of Allah Ta'ala. He has poured his heart out. He's felt that pain, that regret, that remorse. And he makes toba and istighfar to the point where he feels his heart has now become light. That weight is gone. That darkness, that veil of darkness has now been lifted. Because when a person commits a sin, then a darkness, a spot appears on his heart. And he commits another sin, another dark spot appears on the heart. Until the entire heart becomes engulfed in darkness. Now when the heart is engulfed in darkness, لا يعرف معروفا ولا ينكر منكرا Neither does he realize, recognize the good as good or the evil as evil. The good doesn't mean anything to him and every evil he gets involved in. Because the heart is now engulfed in this darkness. So this is the importance of this maghfirat that we have to keep asking Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. Keep begging His forgiveness. In one one sitting the Sahaba say sometimes we would count more than 100 times Nabi Islam is making istighfar in one majlis, one sitting. And he's advising them, he's talking, he's answering questions, all these things are carrying on. And every now and again, he's also making istighfar. And in one sitting, they're counting hundred times. Can we imagine to what extent Nabi Islam is emphasizing this lesson? And we feel no need for it. Day in and day out, what not we carry on with. Where our eyes are and where our ears are and what is coming off our tongues. And where our heart is, Allah forbid, where not our heart is gone to. And in all that, we don't feel the need for istighfar that this is far away from what Nabi Islam has left us with. So we have to be excessively engaging ourselves in this istighfar and seeking Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. So this was the first aspect Nabi Islam Salam asked in this dua. Allahumma khfilli zambi. Ya Allah forgive my sins. He's masoom, he's sinless, he's teaching us. that We should be asking this all the time. Allahumma khfilli zambi wa wasi'li khuluqi. When a person has made istighfar, toba. He settled the matter between him and Allah Ta'ala. But he has to now also have the right contact and the right situation, the right uh, thing on in terms of himself and the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. He has to have his situation clear with Allah Ta'ala, his situation clear with the servants of Allah Ta'ala as well. And that is only possible by means of akhlaq. So therefore, first thing, Allahumma khfilli zambi. Ya Allah, forgive my sins. Wa wasi'li khuluqi. Ya Allah, make my akhlaq very, very broad. 
When something is very wide, very broad, it's accommodating. It can take in a lot. A person has a huge bag, he can fill a lot into it. And if it's a small little pouch that he has, he can only put so much in it. One person was involved in some work of deen. So when something happened, he was teaching in a madrasa or something, and some parent came regarding some issue of the child, student studying there, so the parent came, and that parent now conducted himself in a very, very negative way. So there was another very senior alim present, he observed this whole thing, and this ustad became upset also, but he didn't say anything, alhamdulillah. So in any case, after this whole incident finished off, so the senior alim now is advising him, advising the ustad. So now he advised him, this was an old story in Urdu. So he advised him in Urdu, and he said to him that, is kaam mein bahut bara pet rakna chahe. Now that's a figurative meaning that he gave. What he meant is, literally it means you must have a big stomach. What he meant is you have to digest everybody's things, all whatever their stories are. Now what is this digesting everything? Have a big stomach that you've got to take everybody's, whatever their negatives are, and still carry on with the positive. Take everybody's negatives and still carry on with the positive. Now that is what this wasi akhlaq, this broad character, this very encompassing character, something that can be accommodating, can accommodate whatever, somebody's wrong conduct, somebody's way of talking, somebody's way of doing things, somebody's abuse and somebody's whatever else, it can digest everything. When a person has this akhlaq, firstly, he will not trample anybody else's right. Because this akhlaq will stop him from trampling anybody else's right. And he will be able to digest other things. So without this akhlaq, the first part was to have our account clear with Allah Ta'ala. But then together with that, to have our matter clear with Allah's makhluk also. And without akhlaq, that is not possible. So therefore, Nabi Salaam is teaching us that ask for the forgiveness of your sins and simultaneously One person wrote one email and complaining about a certain situation and the kind of treatment that is meted out, etc., etc. So in any case, the advisor was given that okay, you just consider this whole thing in this manner. That supposing the person you say is treating you in this manner very badly, every time that this person says this harsh words to you, or says this, makes these sarcastic comments, whatever else, every time the person does that, then simultaneously there's a 10,000 rand is giving also. You take it. Why? Not because I gave you this, I made this comment against you. I passed this comment, so for that comment is 10,000. And then after a while, well, I said these other little bit of harsh words to you, another 5,000. So now you think about it, that what would be the effect, that now the words were very, very hurtful, very painful. It was something that cut through your heart. 
but that same instant you were given this 10,000. What will happen? What will be the outcome? So, you think about this carefully and then ponder over it that what is that 10,000 on that sabr that you are making, Allah Ta'ala is blessing more than what this world contains. Just that this dunya is a test. If everything becomes so apparent, the reality has become open, then the test won't be a test anymore. Allah Ta'ala is blessing you on that sabr with more than what this dunya can give. So Alhamdulillah, after a while that reply came, that I find Alhamdulillah everything is very different now, because I am sure that if I got that 10,000 after that most sarcastic comment, it would be the best balm for my heart immediately, instant relief. If after somebody made that very painful and hurtful comment, if they also gave me 10,000, it will be instant relief. I won't feel that pain anymore, it will be gone. And I won't mind it if the person carries on with this also. Every time keep saying something and give me 10,000. So now what changed the whole thing? The whole thing got changed with money. So money made sabr easy. The 10,000 made sabr very easy. So when the yaqeen comes in, what Allah Ta'ala is blessing on sabr. Inna Allaha ma'as sabirin. Allah Ta'ala is with those who are the patient ones. When that yaqeen comes, then that becomes easy. That sabr becomes easy. So in any case, this only is possible now. This sabr is part of akhlaq. The sabr is a very integral part of akhlaq. So Nabi Salaam is saying, make dua for this akhlaq. Allah, make my akhlaq very, very encompassing, most accommodating. It can take a lot. And then there's various other things that Nabi Islam asked for. Time is limited just to go through the aspects that are mentioned. After the aspect of asking for maghfirat and asking for this akhlaq to be made expansive. The third thing Nabi Islam asked for is وَطَيِّبْ لِي kasbi. Ya Allah grant me halal and tayyib rizq. Make my sustenance tayyib, pure. One is that there is an abundance. But is it pure also? Has it come in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased? Then that will be pure. And that pure sustenance will bring purity in the heart. And it will bring purity in amal. And if the sustenance is tainted, it's going to leave its effect. Because that nourishment that is going to create the blood, that blood is going to run through that heart, that heart is going to now be affected by the tainted income. So the thoughts will be accordingly, the actions will be accordingly. So this is the crucial aspect that is being asked for. Make my risk and sustenance pure. Purity of risk. They are those, Ahlullah, their situation we can't even imagine. What level of taqwa they reached in terms of what they consumed. In India, this was a very common thing that they used to put the extract of mango in the gravy, in the curries. So when the mango season would come, they would now use this extract of that mango to flavor the curries. It was a common thing. 
And the other thing that used to happen is that very often before the crop is even on the tree, people will sell the cough, which is incorrect, that sale is null and void, it's batil in terms of sharia. You cannot sell something that is not existing still. Now the farmer or the, the owner of the orchard, somebody will come and make a deal with him, that your crop, the entire crop I bought it. How much is the price? Deal done. Now whether that crop now, whether it yielded one ton or five tons or whatever, he bought it for that price. Well, that's not permissible. It might be nothing will come. It might be ten times what was expected. In any case, that's not the point. The thing is, the bottom line is that that's not permissible. So there were many akabir who would never eat anywhere but their own food. Because this was a common thing now that this mango is going to be sold. Somebody is going to buy it. Now the sale where it started off from was a null and void sale. So now this is a high level of taqwa. But that possibility, that that mango which was purchased in a sale that was not valid, the extract of that mango went in this curry. So therefore I won't touch it. Now to what extent they went, this is a very high level. This is something beyond our level. But there are some clear cut things. There are some direct things that we know this is out of the question. This is not permissible. This is not correct in deen. So to avoid all these things that are against shariat, are not in line with deen, so that our income is not tainted in any way. And that nourishment is pure, this brings that pure thoughts, it brings pure actions. So this was the third thing, li kasbi. The fourth thing Nabi Islam asked for is, bima razaqtani. Ya Allah, grant me qana'at on what you have grant, given me. Give me contentment on my sustenance. Because this is what is enough. Enough is contentment. And otherwise, there is no definition of enough. So as if you ask a person, what is enough? Define enough. Can any person define enough? Everybody's enough is different. And what he thought was enough today, tomorrow he says, no, it's not enough still. And he makes a target, that much will be enough. 10 year plan, when I reach that point, it will be enough. Before he's reached there already, that is not enough yet. So that enough is a just never ending stretch, elastic that can be stretched to any point. Enough is what? Enough is qana'at. Enough is contentment. And a person is content, then he's got enough. Then he'll make a reasonable effort He'll make a reasonable effort and in that reasonable effort, whatever Allah Ta'ala grants him, he'll be content with it. He won't be making 10-year plans. But I must meet this target and must have this and that. One Buzruk was asked that what is the meaning of the zuhud, abstinence from the world? He says zuhud is simply that a person doesn't have any desire left for the things of the world. It comes alhamdulillah, mashallah. Whatever reasonable effort he made, whatever came in it, he, Allah Ta'ala's na'mat, he will make shukar and use it. And if it didn't come, his heart is not stuck in it, why that didn't come? And he is not craving and clamoring behind something that I must have that as well. Hazrat Maddi Rahmatullah was once asked that uh, do you desire to eat or not? Or what, what are you in the habit of eating? 
which items are you in the habit of eating? This was a question. So he said, which things I'm in the habit of eating, like somebody is in the habit of tea, for example, must have the tea. So somebody in the habit of some other things. So he said, by, I'm not even in the habit of eating itself, let alone specific items of food. I'm not even in the habit of eating itself. But yes, when I feel hungry, then I have to eat. There's a world of difference between this and what our general situation is, that there's a timetable for eating. It's time to eat, so you have to eat. So he says, I'm not even in the habit of eating, let alone eating something specific or drinking something specific. Nothing wrong with something that a person wants to have regularly because he desires it, provided it's halal, it's pure, there's no problem with it. Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat, he'll make shukar. But these people reach that level. He says, forget a specific item. I'm not even in the habit of eating itself. But when I feel hungry, out of hunger, I eat then. So in any case, the issue is qana'at, contentment. This is the greatest wealth. The real wealth is the wealth of the heart. And the last thing Nabi Islam says, Ya Allah, whatever you have not decreed for me, don't let me hanker behind it. Don't let me aspire behind something that is not meant for me. That something is not meant for me and now I'm putting my mind in it, my heart in it, my energy in it, my efforts in it. At the end of the day, it's not going to come. Ya Allah, if something is not meant for me, then don't allow my mind and heart also to go into that direction. And this is the prescription of peace. The prescription of peace. That a person now is happy, is content. If something didn't come, it wasn't meant for me. Don't worry about it. And whatever Allah Ta'ala has given, he's happy with it. So this very short dua, but how many things are encompassed in this beautiful, concise dua? Everything from the akhirat, the aspects of dunya up to akhirat. The person got his maghfirat, he got his akhirat. And the prescription of peace in dunya is also included in it. So these are the things that we have to bring into our lives. The dua itself and the lessons of the dua as well. Allah Ta'ala grant us it tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam.